Matthew 7, beginning at verse 7. This is God's holy and infallible word. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And then this verse is in our section 2, and you can see that if you have an NIV Bible or a Bible open. Seemingly different topic. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. That's God's word for us this morning. Brothers and sisters, friends, uh, Pokemon Go was a game app released on July 6th of this year. Since then, 100 million people plus have downloaded it. I checked it out a few weeks ago to see what it was about. I I can see the attraction. I didn't end up getting into it. It's off my phone now. But basically, using your phone's camera, as well as Google Maps and GPS, you search for Pokemon to capture, little, little creatures. And what happens is they're, they're added to reality as, as you look around you with your phone's camera. Uh, you, you see whatever you see, but then these Pokemon creatures are, are added to it. And that's why it's called an augmented reality game, right? It's augmented reality. There's reality, but there's stuff added. Pokestops are really important parts of the game. You get eggs to hatch Pokemon, and you get Pokeballs to catch more Pokemon. Our church is a Pokestop. And if you play and you've had it on when you come to church, you probably noticed that. So we've seen extra people uh, wandering around the last weeks. There are a lot of Pokestops on the prairie path, too. And uh, I ride there often on my bike, Villa Park, Lombard, sometimes beyond Hannah and I, my second daughter, were biking down it a few weeks ago. And we must have seen dozens of people lost in their phones playing this game. And of course, as you know, if you've been around anybody or played it yourself, we almost hit a few of the people because they're not paying any attention to their surroundings. In fact, you might have heard that two men from San Diego fell off a cliff playing the game. They literally fell off a cliff. Uh, one dropped 80 feet, the other 50. Thankfully, they, they weren't killed. An augmented reality game, and there are others, this is the most popular, an augmented reality game adds to reality. It gives an extra dimension. And there are really all kinds of ways to augment reality. As you know, not only do we see photoshopped celebrities in magazines, we can photoshop ourselves now. That was the, the, the default setting of my latest phone, and I admit I did a selfie, um, and it was not me. It looked like me 20 years ago. It's just ridiculous, and, and some of us are, are posting Photoshop pictures of ourselves, I think, taking out the wrinkles, 
age spots. Most movies come out in 3D now. 3D enhances reality, but of course, none of it is real. It's augmented reality. It's not reality. There are also clearly damaging ways to try to enhance your reality. Maybe you you heard in the news that a sophomore at York High School here in town died of heroin uh, on the first day of school this past Monday. When people take illegal drugs, they're looking to augment their reality, to add to it. And, And perhaps for them, life isn't rich enough. Life feels flat Abuse of alcohol does the same sort of thing. People are looking to, expe- to deepen that experience of reality. And what I want to talk about this morning is the way to have a deeper experience of life that is the real deal. We were made for a rich and deep experience of life. God created us for something more than flat living. We feel that. We crave it. But how sad when, when we search for it in damaging places. How unfortunate when we settle for less than God intended. The Sermon on the Mount, we've been seeing it all along. It's about real, deep, satisfying living. Blessed is the word that Jesus uses to get at the fullness of life we can experience. Our verses reveal three dimensions that we're called to live in. And when we are, we'll experience satisfaction. Like when, when you're feeling flat, when life here, when this life isn't enough and, and you want more, when you feel that, you know what? That's your built-in longing for what Jesus created you for. It's how he wants us to live. And it could be today that that you're missing or you're lacking in one or more of these three dimensions Jesus talks about here. The first dimension in our text is upward. Upward. Jesus is teaching us about prayer to our Heavenly Father He talked about it earlier in this Sermon on the Mount, too. And when it comes to prayer, Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. In other words, don't be shy, persist. And when we do that, there's a beautiful promise. If you ask, it will be given to you. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. It's so simple. It's so straightforward. A command and a promise. We're called to take it at at face value. We're called to believe it and trust it. Jesus gives a little illustration. An earthly father, even though he's evil, and Jesus means by evil here that he's a sinner. He's imperfect, sometimes makes wrong choices, but any father would only give his son a good gift. So, The the argument is, how much more will our Heavenly Father, who is perfectly good, also give good good gifts to His children? We're, We're encouraged, we're commanded to reach out, to reach up to the Heavenly Father in prayer. We are to be heavenly directed, to have this upward orientation. 
sometimes, you know, it's, it's so simple. The command, the sure promise, and, and, and yet we can, we can fail in this. And sometimes we think, and it might cause us to be less than enthusiastic in our prayer life sometimes. I mean, we think there are all sorts of people who, without seeming to pray, are healthy, they have a job. I mean, it looks like a lot of people are doing okay without asking God for any, anything. Uh, John, John Stott says that then we have to remember, you know, Jesus talks about good gifts here. We have to remember that there are regular gifts from God, and then there are salvation gifts. Uh, regular gifts are what people get from what we call God's common grace. Like the Bible says, the sun rises on both the wicked and the righteous. But then by special grace, those who belong to Jesus get special gifts, salvation gifts. We we think of the gifts that this world doesn't have. Daily forgiveness from our sins. Deliverance from evil. A peace that passes understanding. Increase of faith and hope and love. In fact, another version of this passage is in another gospel, Luke eleven thirteen. There, good things is replaced with the word Holy Spirit. So Luke says, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So that's what the good things are about. So these are spirit things, special gifts just for God's children. This is about losing a loved one, but yet having hope, having that precious gift of eternal life. I mentioned Sarah's grandma last week, and she passed away on Friday. And we're leaving later today for her funeral tomorrow. Uh, we're, we're going to miss her deeply. Her, her three children will. But, but we've got a hope because we're believers. Her life has not ended. Without the Father's gift of eternal life, what do you have in the face of death? A number of us have had these sort of conversations, whether it's sitting in the hospital, facing a surgery, losing a loved one. What do you have in the face of death? I suppose you kind of shrug your shoulders. Well, that's that. We go on. But we have the gift of faith and assurance from the Holy Spirit We've got facts and a sure foundation. Jesus rose again, and all who put their trust in him have eternal life. We're going to see Grandma Arnold's again someday. She's been reunited with Jesus and with loved ones who have gone before, like a great-grandson named Jacob. And, And more than the promise for her and those loved ones, If you belong to Jesus this morning, you've got that promise. You can be sure 
to have eternal life too. That death won't have the last word. Lord Tennyson, he's known especially for his poetry, if you're an English person. Uh, He wrote this once, More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. In praying, we have access to a whole new world, whole new levels beyond the sort of flat living we can get stuck in, something above and beyond where people can get stuck. But you have to seek it, says Jesus. The letter of James says you do not have because you do not ask. Our catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism, when it talks about prayer, it's Lord's Day 45, it says God gives his good gifts only to those who ask. Without taking away anything from the sovereignty of our God and salvation, in other words, that means he reaches down and saves us. He loved us first while we were yet sinners, not even looking for him and lost, he sent Jesus. And yet, it seems that we can have a rather flat life as believers, or a very vibrant life, one with the good gifts of God filling us, and his blessings, if we will ask, if we'll seek, if we'll knock. We don't want to stay in the dimension of those who don't have a heavenly father, but we reach upward to him in prayer. We experience the fullness of those who receive his good gifts because they ask, because they want them. The second dimension of Christian living uh, that, that pulls us out of flat living is outward. A Christian life propels outward from him or herself. So says Jesus in that verse 12, that seems to be a little bit different subject than the other verses. In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. We're meant to have this upward orientation and also to have an outward orientation in our lives. We can have the closest relationship with the Father, but we'll be missing something if we don't have a view toward others. This verse is often called the golden rule. And it's interesting uh, when you compare it to similar statements from non-biblical sources, how positive it is. That's what stands out. Confucius, uh, the ancient Chinese teacher, as well as ancient Greek philosophers like the Stoics, you might have heard of them, they say the same thing, but it's more negative. Do not do to others what you would not wish done to yourself. A famous Jewish rabbi said, what is hateful to you, do not do to anyone else. See how that's different? Jesus is different. Christians are different. We're active. We don't just, it's not just don't do this or that, but it's positively living. We seek out good that we can do to others. If we're not actively seeking to do to others what we would want them to do to us, we're missing a vital dimension 
of blessed living. Life is so much richer when we're blessing others. We were made for that. I recently heard someone say, God only treasures, if you think about it, God only treasures one thing in this entire cosmos. One thing. And that's people. That's people. You ask all all the folks that, that met Jesus in the Gospels, Nicodemus at night, the Samaritan woman, whether the Lord loved him. And so people should be important to us. They are. Uh, John Maxwell puts it like this to talk about, you know, we often say we love people, we care for people. And this is another way of putting it that I think is helpful. We're called to value people. We value those around us. And, and so we actively look for opportunities to add value to people all the time. Everyone a Christian comes in contact with, big ways, small ways, with our words, with a smile, with our actions. Maybe this dimension of Christian living needs a bit of filling out and needs some pursuit in your life. It could be you're missing this purpose that God created you for. Uh, The church as a whole is a community that actively pursues doing good to others, just as Jesus commands us here. We do this together in many ways at faith. We seek to stand out from the me-first society and living that's all around us. There's a third, a final dimension for this morning that's in our text, and it's inward. We aspire upward to the Father. We reach outward to others. We dig inward. Do to others what you would have them do to you, to you, and and to know what we would have, what we would want them to do to us, that takes self-awareness, that takes health, self-health. So much of what Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount talks about a relationship with the Father all throughout. He talks about how we relate to others all throughout. There's a lot throughout the whole sermon on our inner life too. Not just murder is damaging to our relationship with God and thus to ourselves. So is hatred. That's something very deep within us. Not just adultery, but lust. Jesus talks about giving and praying and fasting, these spiritual disciplines that deeply impact the health of our soul. And and don't worry, he says to us worry warts. It will eat you alive. Be at peace in your soul. Trust me. What a gift to have self awareness when the default human tendency is toward an extreme of arrogance on the one hand or insecurity on the other hand. We find our identity truly and we get grounded in 
our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're celebrating this morning the work of our God in a special way in communion. The Bible tells us that for those who belong to Jesus, God elected you to be his very own. In love, he chose you before the foundations of the world were established. That means that you have value in the Lord. You're not a nobody. We're somebodies. We're children of God. And knowing that, finding our identity in Jesus, that keeps us from thinking too low of ourselves and and being sort of insecure little mouses. But it also prevents us from thinking too much of ourselves and kind of being arrogant jerks sometimes. God's in control, not us. We're dependent on him for salvation, for life and breath. In Jesus, we, we gain a proper satisfaction. There's a peace for our hearts and remaining in him, developing the spiritual disciplines we gain health, strength inside. And we see it even in prayer in our text. Ask, seek, and knock. The door will be open to you. Here our text brings up, as we go through it, the, the upward and outward dimensions first. And I think that makes a lot of sense. That's the biblical way. The crazy thing is, when you put God and others first, there will be inner benefits and fulfillment. Uh, The world puts this last dimension first. It's about me, myself, and I. And you know what the result of putting you first is? You never being fulfilled. It doesn't work. God's way is putting Him first and others first, and then amazingly, miraculously, the way he set things up, then we're fulfilled. Are you feeling blessed in your life? A fullness and a richness? What would those closest to you say? Sometimes that's a better check than ourselves, just a little bit removed. If you have a a spouse or a good friend, Would they see these three dimensions popping out? Or would they see a flatness? Would would they see you trying to get out of artificial realities more than God intended in those things? Now, if each one of these dimensions was on a 10-point scale, 10 being the highest, the richest, where where would they be for you? The, The upward how, where would it be, zero to ten, the outward, the inward? May we all grow in the blessed life that Jesus has bought for us and won for us. May we be stretching up to the Father. He's got good, good gifts for his children. More maybe than you've ever dreamed of. Ask for them. Seek them. Knock on the door of heaven. God promises to answer. Reach out to others. Be active about it, not passive. Value everyone. Look for ways to add value to them with the love of Jesus. And finally, dig deep. May your soul be well and whole. 
as you give your heart to Jesus, and may you know that you're loved by him unconditionally, you're his child, may you find your grounding and your identity in Jesus, and would you own it and and be staying close to him. Be about those activities of, of prayer and meditation and scripture that that keep you close to him. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, in your word, in this Sermon on the Mount, uh, we've seen again and again bold words, challenging words. I pray, Lord, that that you would impress upon us the power of your word, the power of your love, the power of salvation, the power of belonging to Jesus, and in all dimensions of our life, be living fully for you. Give us grace for that. Bless us as a church together that all of these dimensions would just be, be popping out for all to see and to come and know Jesus too. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen.